Good morning everybody and welcome to our service this Sunday morning. It's great to have you with us. Um, if you're joining us for the first time, we're Spurgeon Baptist Church and this morning when I'm recording this, I'm on the canal towpath at Water Eaton where we're delighted to be Wednesday walkers. Wait, if you're a Wednesday walker. And we're joining the canal ministries and Christian Boaters Fellowship. Um, so give a wave if you're part of that. And we're delighted that the um, we've got a flotilla of boats moored up along the canal here who are here for the week, treating us to some beautiful trips and some lovely times of fellowship. So thank you very much, everybody, um, for the hospitality this morning and for the hospitality throughout the week. So our service this morning is going to be led by this lovely team of people. Um, we have worship, we have songs, we have prayers and we have talks. Um, and over here, these two lovely gentlemen are going to be preaching to us a bit later on. So welcome to our service and enjoy. Thank you. for your welcome. My name's Jan Halford and I'm the chair of the Boaters Christian Fellowship and it's my privilege this morning to tell you a little bit about who we are and what we do. So we're a national organisation of about 600 members. Um, we don't all own boats, not by any means. Lots of us don't have boats but like to keep in touch with the boating community and are interested in Christian ministry on the waterways. Um, we aim to encourage our members to worship God wherever they are, cruising out on the waterways, uh, maybe in local churches, maybe in a boating festival. We sometimes have services which we run during a boating festival or a boat show. We also encourage each other to share fellowship together when we meet each other while we're out, sometimes at a lock or sometimes on the towpath. We identify each other with our stickers, with our logo on, so that we can share fellowship and enjoy each other's company. And the other thing we do, or we try to do, is to witness to our faith. Especially here, during the last week, we've been sharing the good news of Jesus with the people we meet. 21 of our members are also in a team called Canal Ministries and they're called by God to be evangelists reaching out to help people and to share the love of Jesus. As part of our outreach on the canals all this week seven BCF and Canal Ministries boats have been moored in Water Eaton. We've been giving free boat rides, we've been serving lots of cups of tea and coffee and bis giving biscuits away to passers-by and we've walked around this area praying for people and talking to people who are willing to just stop and have a chat with us and you'd be amazed and thrilled at some of the conversations we've had with the people in this local area. It's been a real blessing to us and hopefully to them as well. So when we pull up our pins and cruise away, we hope that we'll 
have spoken to many people about Jesus and that you and they will be encouraged to put their faith and your faith in him. Thank you. Our reading today is from Ephesians 3, God's Marvellous Plans for the Gentiles. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. Surely you must have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you, that is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people of other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel of the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. I became a servant of his gospel as a gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all Lord's people, this grace has given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray out that through his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all of Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning. This morning's children's story is uh, from Genesis. And it's about a, a man who built a boat. So today's story takes place in a town square before the flood.
from here. Hmm, not far then. No, not far. What do you um, do? To tell the truth, not a lot. Well, things have changed around here. How do you mean? Hmm, well the time was when my master felt he could leave his family in safety, make journeys away from home to visit uh, distant relatives and do a bit of trading on the side, you know. It was all right. We used to visit some lovely oasises on the way. It was good. Nothing too rushed. But um, we don't do it anymore. Oh, why not? It's the violence, see, the, the last time we uh, made a trip, my master's place was raided, so my master doesn't like staying away anymore. They beat up one of his sons and stole a very good friend of mine, yes. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Mm, it was a nasty business. My friend ended up, up, ended up in the local sizzling sand steak bar and fast food outlet. Oh, um, on deliveries? No, he was on the menu. He was an oxy. It was a nasty business. Oh, um, in a funny way, I'm here because of my friend. Um. Oh, oh, your friend, sorry. My master is very concerned about all the violence and wickedness that's around. Mm. What does he do? Uh, he's got a couple of uh, projects on at the moment. Uh, is that why you're here then? Um, yes, yes, yes. One of his projects is to help tell people about the right way to live. You know, how the Creator wants them to live, dealing fairly with each other, not fighting to get their own way, putting, putting other people before themselves, being kind and considerate and helping those in need. Oh, I think my master would agree with all that. Well, to be honest, he'd be the exception. Nearly Everyone laughs at what my master says. Sometimes they throw rocks at him and tell him to clear off. Oh, what's the um the other project? Oh, he's um he's a boat builder. You know those wooden things that uh, float on water. <laughs> no, you've got me on that one. Never seen one. So uh, you live. Near lots of water, then? <laughs> no. Like I said, we're half a day's journey to the east of here. There's no water here to float a boat. Uh, but you said your master is a boat builder. To tell the truth, he's building one boat. I reckon it'll take a hundred years to finish. Um. So he's not up for early retirement then? Um, no. Mark, you said it's a big boat. A very big boat. Quite uh, huge, in fact. So, um, let 
me uh, get this clear. Your master is building a very big boat where there's no um, water to float it. Uh, that's right. <laughs> um, bit of a daft, easy. Uh, two packs short of a load. Yes, uh, he says that the uh, creator told him to build it. Oh, does your master talk to the trees as well? <laughs> There's no need to be offensive. He believes that the creator is going to destroy the whole earth with a flood to sweep away all the wickedness. Hmm, that's a bit of a heavy duty thing, isn't it? to see end up in the sizzling sand steak palm menu. Sin is the number one problem on this earth because every other problem is a direct result of people making mistakes. Men are just too proud to admit the creator knows best. I hope you've enjoyed today's uh, story. I understand that you've been learning about uh, the fruit of the spirit recently in the kids club. I think today's play demonstrates why it is important to have these in our lives. They help us to live better lives, being conscious of other people's needs as well as our own. The people who lived in the time Noah built the ark were not living this way and we can see the consequences of their mistakes. We can see that the two puppets that uh, I used demonstrated a mistrust of people and, and uh, how people's behaviour was that uh, it didn't help uh, with uh, living good fruitful lives and uh, one of our friends this morning wanted to uh, had a master who wanted people to change sadly they didn't so let's pray that people change so that we can be free of sin and God can reign in our lives Amen Well, greetings everybody. Uh, my name is Paul Stanley, uh, one half of Paul and Sue Stanley, and we have a narrow boat on the Leeds Liverpool Canal where we serve teas and coffees and in the winter soups from. And just to want an opportunity to talk to people about Christ. And at the moment, we're just at the beginning of our mission with Canal Ministries and Borders Christian Fellowship, uh, no, no more than uh, 200 yards away from the church uh, at, at the bridge, and we're having a wonderful time. Uh, many opportunities to contact people and to share a little bit of God's love with them. Uh, but this morning, uh, Peter and myself, uh, who heads up Canal Ministries, we want to share a little bit about the unity of Christians, Christian unity with you, because it's a very important topic. A few months ago, uh, Sue and I were serving teas and coffees, and uh, along the uh, canal came a, a couple, and uh, they stopped and, and they had their, their tea and coffee, but immediately... We talked to them. There was a sense of uh, unity between us. And it turned out this couple were Christians. And there was an ease between us. Um, it turned out that 30 years previously, he had been sleeping on the church, where I used to be the pastor in Barnoldswick, um, as part of uh, uh, the, the, the walk of a thousand men. Uh, we were able to pray for uh, this gentleman's uh, wife's brother, who was suffering from cancer. And we just had that wonderful experience of oneness and unity. We might not meet again, but we were fellow Christians who loved the Lord Jesus. We prayed together, we shared stories together, 
and it was just a wonderful experience. Now, Christian unity is a very important thing. Uh, it was prayed for by Jesus in uh, John, 11, John 17, 11. Uh, Father, make them one as you and I are one. Uh, Paul rejoiced at the breaking down of barriers between Jews and Gentiles in Christ, uh, in Ephesians. And John, the Apostle John, saw that the love between uh, Christians uh, is one evidence of that those Christians actually, their faith being real and, and genuine, that brotherhood of believers is an evidence of, um, of the reality of our faith in him. Uh, also, Christian unity is vital for our witness, especially in this society which is so fractured, so many in different groups. The unity and the love between Christians is a very important part of us embodying the gospel. And uh, it's vital that it's seen in practice amongst believers because uh, we all know that um, the theory might not match the practice. And uh, uh, sadly, over, over the years, disunity between Christians has been a very poor witness uh, to the world. And uh, so it's vital that it's seen in practice uh, amongst believers. And in the passage I'm going to read in a minute, that's exactly what Paul is keen to emphasise. And Peter's going to unpack that after I've just looked at the theological foundations of our unity, what our unity is based upon. So I'm just going to read um, this passage in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 uh, through to 6. Now I'm going to focus on the last few verses of this. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And so... We're going to look at the verses 4 to 6, which really is the source of our Christian unity. Now, Paul introduced this uh, in chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 18, uh, we're told that through Christ, through Jesus, we both have access to the Father in one spirit. So the source of our unity is Trinitarian. It comes from the Father, from the Son, and from the Holy Spirit. And that's what Paul is doing in verses 4 to 6. You can see it's Trinitarian. There's one body and one spirit. Um, just as you were called to the one hope when you were called one Lord, which is, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ. One faith in him, one baptism, one God and Father uh, who of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So our unity is Trinitarian. So first of all, it's the Holy Spirit who makes us one. Our unity is a, is a spiritual thing. It cannot be made or structured. It's a spiritual thing. Without... The Holy Spirit, we cannot pray or worship together. He binds us into one body. And so there's that heart of Christian unity, which is a spiritual thing, a shared life which comes from being born of the Spirit of God and having the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. So he is the source and the expression of our Christian unity. And secondly, these uh, few verses tell us that our unity is a unity in Christ. We are called to the one hope of being with him forever, which is better by far. 
one of our lovely um, Christian sisters, uh, Sue Smith, shared about this hope of heaven in a, such a personal way uh, relating to her, her daughter Michelle uh, last night. And it's a wonderful to remind you of the shared hope that we have as Christians. We have a shared faith in Christ, that he is the Son of God, who died for our sins, who rose again to give us life and calls us to believe and trust in him. We are baptised, when we are baptised, into Christ, buried with him and raised with him. And uh, day by day, we are called to live under his lordship. Uh, all these are elements which make up our unity in Christ. So it's, it's a unity in the spirit, a unity in Christ. And thirdly, we are united uh, in God the Father. So I don't know, sometimes you may be tempted to dismiss or look down on a fellow Christian. Um, but we should always remember that the one God who is over all and through all and in all chose them from the beginning of time, from before the beginning of time, to be his. And so the Father calls and that is the source of our unity in God. Uh, so we don't create unity. It's a powerful reality. It's a unity of the spirit. It's the unity of being in Christ. And it's the unity of being called by the Father. But it's very important, but crucially important, that this unity is both maintained and expressed. And it's a sad fact that Christians have often been anything other than united. And so the opening verses of this passage, which uh, Peter, along with others, is going to expound, uh, take us to the heart of that, what it means to express our unity in Christ as Christian believers. Thank you. Hello. I've been a friend of Paul Stanley's for over 30 years, and we have regularly worked together in evangelism. And I'll let you into a secret. One day we visited a home and we introduced ourselves as Peter and Paul and the little lady said fly away Peter fly away Paul so I'm hoping that you're not going to tell us to fly away and that uh, as we share these words of scripture with you and the thoughts that God has given us I trust that the Holy Spirit will inspire you to look at them again I'm just going to reread Ephesians chapter 4 verses 1 to 3 as a prisoner for the Lord then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And I just trust that God will bless those verses to us. Now toward the end of the letter to the Ephesians, the Apostle Paul refers to himself as an ambassador in chains. And throughout this prison letter, for that is where Ephesians was written from, he often refers to being a prisoner of Christ or a prisoner for Christ. He can see a purpose for his imprisonment. Can you imagine the people who have been imprisoned for their faith? And how easily it would be for them to turn their backs on God and think, what am I doing? 
and why is God allowing this? But the Apostle Paul saw it as an opportunity, for his imprisonment gave him an opportunity to write, and not only write, but also to make known the mystery of the gospel to those who came to see him. Can you imagine how the guards felt? Every day as they changed their duties and had to be unchained and chained then again to Paul. Oh no, not again. We're going to hear from him again, you know. Something's going to be said about Jesus Christ. And undoubtedly, several people became believers because of Paul's witness while he was in prison. Now it gradually becomes obvious that not only was the apostle physically chained, but spiritually and emotionally captivated by the Lord Jesus, who had brought about his salvation during his journey to Damascus. Once Paul realised just what the Lord Jesus had done for him, he was captivated into his service and set about encouraging believers to also follow the Lord with grateful devotion. Look again at those verses and just see how the Apostle emphasises certain things. He says, I urge you. What does he urge? He urges us to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now when we are truly in love, have you been in love? Do you know what it's like? Because when we're truly in love, we can't help but serve the one to whom we are devoted, can we? Being truly captivated will lead us into being motivated. The Apostle again emphasises a point in verse 2. Be completely, not partially, not half-heartedly, but completely humble and gentle. And then he continues to categorise how we should be Christ-like. Humble, gentle, patient, forbearing. Why, these are some of the attributes of the Saviour himself, aren't they? Can you see the Lord Jesus Christ in those words? Gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Humble, gentle, patient, forbearing. I'm so grateful that he's forbearing toward me, aren't you? How he forgives us for all the mistakes we make on a regular basis. But these characteristics are those that brought him, our Lord Jesus, from heaven and led to him going all the way to the cross, there to die for us on our behalf. Now, if we have love for Christ and the love of Christ in our hearts, then we can't help being motivated to love one another. Now, there's the subject, unity in itself, isn't it? The captivation of Christ and the motivation by Christ leads to the activation for Christ. And the Apostle makes another bold statement. Make every effort, make every effort, what for? To keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So we're told here not to let anything 
deny or destroy or even disturb the unity of the Spirit. And yet it's so easy for us to do that. There might be a conflict of opinion in one way or another, but we are to prayerfully come to the Lord and say, Lord, please you sort it out. And so he will keep the unity of the Spirit within us. In chapter 4 and verse 32, we read this, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, just as in Christ, sorry, God forgave you. And then in chapter 5 of Ephesians, verse 1, the Apostle says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. When we do this and follow the Lord Jesus correctly, we will discover that we also become a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. And we need to be captivated and motivated and activated by the love of the Lord Jesus. And all I can end with is just saying, Hallelujah! What a Saviour! May the Lord bless you. Good morning. I'm Jill. I'm the prayer coordinator for Beast Boaters Christian Fellowship. I've been asked to lead the prayers this morning. Heavenly Father, we come before you to give you all the honour and praise this morning. We thank you for the privilege we've had of being part of this mission here in Walter Eaton. We thank you for all the boat trips, the cafe and the conversations we have had this week. We thank you for all the leaflets that have been taken and we'll speak to each person. We pray that they all come to know that you died for them on the cross and bring them hope and love in their lives. I ask you to bless all those who have organised this mission. We ask you, Lord, that all the seeds that have been sown will continue to be watered and cared for by all the churches in this area and bring fruit from them. Your word says the harvest is ripe, but the labourers are few. Lord, I pray for the unity of the churches to provide the labourers and to reap the harvest. I lift up all who are sick and for those who need your touching hand. And I ask for healing, the strength and peace in their lives. Thank you, Lord, for all you have done this week and the blessings you have given. For yours is the power and the glory forever and ever and ever. Amen.